Shane Bieber discussed Antoine Juswell's status for the North Carolina game during his Tuesday press conference and sent in a bunch of mixed signals while doing so. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I am Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listener watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. I got a lot that I want to dive into on this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Gamecocks. We're going to discuss Shane Beamer's comments regarding Antoine Juice Wells' status for the North Carolina game and why things might be a little bit more uncertain after what all he said on Tuesday. We're also going to talk about a comment that Shane Beamer made regarding the offense and how they improved in the Gamecocks' second fall camp scrimmage this past Saturday and I'll tell you all why Kentucky is the trap game for South Carolina in 2023. All of that on today's edition of Locked on Gamecocks. As I mentioned earlier, Shane Bieber referenced Juice Wells' status for the game against the Tar Heels multiple times on Tuesday afternoon, and his answers honestly sent a lot of mixed signals regarding Juice Wells' status. I want to play a few clips and sound bites for all of you to give you an idea of just why I'm mentioning the phrase mixed signal so much here with this conversation. Here's the first clip and sound bite of Shane Beamer discussing Juice Wells' injury situation along with some others in his opening statement from his Tuesday press conference. Injury-wise, we're in pretty good shape. Uh, there'll be some certainly some guys as we get into it next week that would be listed as maybe questionable as you go into the game. But in my mind, we're expecting all those guys to play. Trey Knox, uh, uh, Juice Wells, Nick Harbour, uh, all those guys that have been uh, banged up a little bit. They all tell me they're playing, and they're all on track too as well. And, and that's how we're, we're going forward with that. Now, while Shane Beamer did say at the end of that clip and sound bite that his expectation is that Juice Wells will play in the North Carolina game, at the beginning of that clip, he passively alluded that Juice Wells might be listed as questionable going into this next week. So, a little bit contradictory there, but, you know, what else did he have to say about Juice Wells' injury situation? Here's another clip and sound bite of a reporter specifically asking him about Juice Wells and Nick Harper. I'm guessing the folks in the comment section on YouTube are wondering about Antoine Wells and Nick Harper. So, what are <laughs> their specific, uh, or as specific as you can get with, with where they're at right now? Uh, they're, I expect them both. Um, I expect them both to play. Um, Juice was out there. He didn't practice practice, but he was out there running around today and catching balls and doing some light jogging and things like that. So um, are they full go right now? No. Do I expect both of them to play next Saturday night? Absolutely. Okay, so this clip does sound a lot more definitive here because Shea Bieber did say that he expects both Juice Wells and Nick Harper to play 
in spite of the fact that they aren't able to participate in practice right now. So here, he does seem to lean heavily towards the idea of Juice playing in week one. But then he wound up saying this later on in his presser when asked about the wide receiver rotation. He is not as far along and solidified as maybe I would like right now, just being totally honest. I think there's no question if Juice is healthy, Juice and Amarian Brown and Xavier Leggett are our top three receivers. That does not sound as conclusive as his previous answer was. So here he seems to go back a little bit on what all he said in that second clip and soundbite that I played for y'all just a minute ago. Now, some of you might be saying that I'm overanalyzing here, and that Beamer may have simply just misspoke a little bit when talking about Antoine Juicewell's health status for the North Carolina game. And maybe that is indeed the case. I certainly have done that a little bit before. But considering the fact that Shane Beamer is going into his third season as a major college football head coach... And the fact he's talking about the health status of one of his star players on his team, I don't think that Beamer would do something like that in this particular situation. Now, there might be some other people who are listening or watching to today's show, which first of all, thank you for doing so, that might be saying Shane Beamer is intentionally playing some mind games here. Maybe he's playing some gamesmanship with background his staff, trying to make them wonder whether or not they've got to prepare for Juice Wells or not. But I strongly believe that that possibility is highly unlikely here. Listening to all of these clips and sound bites from Shane Beamer regarding Juice Wells' status two weeks or less than two weeks before this North Carolina game takes place, there's only one thing that I'm sure of after Tuesday. And I've got no inside information to go off of here, but it's just a gut feeling. I don't think that Juice Wells is going to be 100% by the time the North Carolina game rolls around, whether he plays in the game or doesn't play in the game. The talk around Juice Wells' injury, it seems to indicate that this could possibly be a delicate injury. This could be something that could linger if Juice Wells and the training staff aren't careful in terms of how they approach his recovery timeline, his timeline to return to the football field in a full capacity. So the bottom line regarding everything we've gone over with Juice Wells' health status to this point, there's a lot of uncertainty, in all honesty. And whether Shane Beamer's intentionally doing so or not, it doesn't seem like that he's being 100% definitive on what his status is. Again, considering some of the very subtle contradictions, whether it's in tone or what he's actually saying, when he's being asked about Juice Wells' health status in this press conference in particular on Tuesday. So it's hard to gauge where Juice Wells exactly fits into the equation when you're talking about South Carolina's week one matchup against North Carolina. This is definitely going to be something that we are going to have to monitor moving forward as this week one matchup rapidly approaches. And if Juice Wells cannot play in this game, that is certainly going to put a lot more pressure on some other guys in this receiving core. But again, in my opinion, even if he does play, it does not seem like Juice Wells is going to be 100%. Nothing to go off of there, but just reading the tea leaves here, it's that kind of injury that Juice Wells has. So Xavier Leggett, he might be a guy that has to really step up in week one. Omega Blake might be a guy that has to step up in week one. And Amari Brown, Eddie Lewis, some other guys back there that could be in that receiver rotation. 
Everybody else might have to pick up a little bit more of the slack if Juice Wells cannot indeed play at 100% in week one. However, there was some good news regarding one comment that Shane Bieber made regarding situational plays and drives in the second scrimmage this past Saturday, an aspect that the offense greatly improved in. We're going to touch on why exactly that is important for this unit heading into the season in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Now, obviously, the majority of you that are watching or listening to this show, you probably live in the state of South Carolina. And if you do, you don't need me to tell you how hot it can get during the summer. I mean, highs of nearly 100 degrees. The heat index is about 118, 120 in some areas. And so... For this time of year, you want clothes that are going to be comfortable. You don't want really restrictive cotton type of clothing that is going to just make you uncomfortable. Bird Dog Shorts, they're the perfect fix for you. They have got a cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki pants, but it stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit and it's breathable and it's sweat wicking fabric. It is just the perfect shorts that you need for your summer right now. Go to birddocs.com slash locked on college or enter the promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddocs.com slash locked on college or promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We can promise you that. Welcome back to this edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. We cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. And as always, thank you to each and every one of you who tune in, whether you watch us on YouTube or you listen to us on an audio podcast app. And tomorrow, it's going to be a big show here on the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I'm going to give y'all the best and worst case scenario for South Carolina in 2023. And at the end of tomorrow's show, I'm going to give y'all my prediction for what I think is going to happen this upcoming season. All that will take place on Thursday's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, so you're not going to want to miss it. Based on some of Shane Beamer's comments from his Tuesday press conference, It appears that South Carolina's offense has made some strides in terms of situational football, and that took place in the scrimmage that they had this past Saturday afternoon. Before we really dive into this, here is a clip and soundbite of Shane Beaver discussing what all the offense did this past Saturday. I thought the scrimmage on Saturday night went great. We had planned on getting around 75, 80 plays, and we ended up getting about 113, I think is what it ended up being. And uh, part of that was because uh, the the football gods were listening to us and kind because we were talking – some of the coaches and Luke Day and myself that, you know, we just we hadn't done enough, in my opinion, or hadn't had uh, t- enough like long sustained drives during preseason camp that, you know, we've had some eight, nine, ten play drives, but we needed to really manufacture some longer drives. And we had planned to do it some in practice this week. And, and lo and behold, when Spencer and the ones got out there, they had an 18 play drive on Saturday night that resulted in a touchdown. And then we had a two-minute drive at the end of the scrimmage that was a 14-play, two-minute drive at the end of the game. So we were able to manufacture some of those, which was awesome. Uh, We needed it from a conditioning standpoint. Um, 
you know, going back last year, we didn't realize that we had a lot of long drives, that we were on the field offense and defense. We need to make sure that conditioning-wise we're ready to sustain uh, when we have a long drive as well. Uh, so we got a lot of work done, and that's why the numbers got skewed in the scrimmage, but saw a lot of good things. This is definitely one of the things that we needed to hear during fall camp at some point in time. I hoped to a certain extent that we were going to hear this after the first fall camp scrimmage took place, but we did not get that. This is a great sign of progression on offense in terms of one, the situational awareness for this unit, which is something that, you know, you have to wonder about when there's so many new starters and some people that are going to be playing in different positions, potentially this upcoming fall situational awareness. Sometimes when you move into a different spot, on one side of the ball, it sort of just changes everything that you're looking for in terms of all of your visual cues, maybe your audio cues that you're getting in terms of communication, signals, signs from your quarterback or the sideline from the coaches. So that is a good thing. And also, this offense has needed to prove throughout this camp that they can rush for those tough bull yards when they have to, in third and short, because, again, we've talked about this now ad nauseum throughout the offseason and heading into this preseason, Spencer Rattler is obviously going to be airing out the football a lot this upcoming fall. But he cannot do it all by himself. At certain points, the running game is going to have to help him out. And at the very least, they've got to show up when it's, say, a third and inches type of play or third and one, third and two, whatever the case may be. Now, there's a couple of other reasons why it was really important for us to hear this from Shane Beamer on Tuesday afternoon. Firstly, it is extremely difficult for a coach and his coaching staff to create controlled situational drills that truly mimic a game environment when you are just practicing. Coaches always talk about how they try to practice red zone. They try to practice some third down plays, maybe some goal-to-go type of situations in practice. But the thing is, when you're in practice, you are usually thud tackling. At least, there are a lot of practices where you're thud tackling. Coaches are out there, and they're kind of talking to you like as if they're right next to you, especially the head coach, watching from usually what the quarterback is situated, being behind the quarterback. In a scrimmage, coaches have headsets on. They're on the sideline. You might actually have some guys that are subbing in and out in a scrimmage. And Rattler, in the case of a scrimmage in williams Bryce, he actually has to keep in mind where the game clock and play clock are at, which obviously he's going to know in his own home stadium. But he's got to keep that in mind. He's got to actually have a mental clock going in terms of how much time he's got left, both to get the snap off for one particular play and also to be able to drive downfield. He's also got to keep timeouts in mind. You don't have all that stuff replicated perfectly in a practice setting. But it's different when you're actually able to organically see it all unfold in a scrimmage. And as a coach, you hope that that's going to show up at some point. And Shane Beamer clearly stated in this answer, in this statement, that they had not had that opportunity throughout all of fall camp until this past Saturday, which was vital for this team. So that's one reason why this was important. Another reason why this is important for this offense is it gives the offense confidence, particularly key position groups that, again, 
this unit is going to need to show up in certain spots. And I'm, of course, talking about the running back unit and especially the offensive line unit. You cannot underestimate what confidence will do for either an individual player or an entire group of players who have maybe struggled to accomplish a specific task. The offensive line, for example, in the first fall camp scrimmage, based on what was said, they had plenty of third and short situations or goal-to-go situations, but the defense, for the most part, got the better of them in those spots. And when the scrimmage unfolds in that manner, it doesn't make you feel good if you're on the wrong side of the equation there. So to have the offensive line bounce back, in this second scrimmage. It's a big deal for them in terms of their confidence to be able to actually do some of these things in some of these games that they're going to have to play this fall. And that especially rings true for an offensive line that has been openly questioned by a lot of people this offseason. People like myself, I know some of y'all, obviously have brought the offensive line as well. There's no question, they have probably been the biggest question mark. Both from a local standpoint, regionally and nationally. People that have talked about this team. Almost everybody talks about the importance of the offensive line and how they need to show up. This helps them. This kind of scrimmage performance will help them in terms of blocking out the noise and growing in confidence in their own locker room and in their meeting room. And that is a big deal for that unit. And the last reason why this is really important, this situational drive aspect of this past scrimmage was super important for this team is these are the kind of drives that help you win football games, especially in the SEC. The turnover battle is obviously important. Explosive plays on offense are important. But if you cannot convert on third down and in the red zone, and vice versa for the defense, you will lose close ball games in this league more often than not. And Shane Bieber, he mentioned it in the clip and sound by a play for y'all a few minutes ago. He talked about there being an 18-play touchdown drive early on the scrimmage. And at the end of the scrimmage, they had a 14-play two-minute drive. I would say that the reason there was 14 plays, by the way, was because of a bunch of uh, balls being spiked into the ground by Spencer Rattler that they counted as plays for one reason or another. But either way, those are the kind of drives that fans and pundits alike, when they watch a game unfold and if the Gamecocks win, they will sit there and they will point a drive and they will say, that is the drive that won the football game or changed the football game or changed the entire complexion of a half. You cannot underestimate these kind of drives. That's why coaches talk about it so much. Situational football probably makes fans about want to puke at some point because of how much they'll discuss in fall camp. But this is why they do so because it is the most important aspect of your offense and subsequently your defense. So to hear the offense actually went toe-to-toe more so with the defense in this aspect this past Saturday. That's fantastic. We needed to hear that. Shea were talking about it. It sounds like that he is very encouraged by the improvement that the unit has made. Obviously, now you got to carry it over to the regular season. you got to now do it against other people, not just your own defense. But it is a great sign for a unit that, again, has a lot of question marks surrounding it in terms of what they could possibly do for this team heading into the 2023 season. We've talked a lot about particular aspects of South Carolina's 2023 schedule throughout this week, and we're going to continue that with the final portion of today's show by discussing the biggest trap game for the Gamecocks this fall, because everybody 
and their mother practically this offseason has been talking about that Mississippi State game and talking about how that is the trap game for South Carolina because of where it is situated between that Georgia game and the Tennessee game. But I think Kentucky fits the bill more so than Mississippi State as the trap game for Shane Beamer and South Carolina in 2023. And there's a few different reasons why I believe this. The first reason why is one that y'all heard me discuss multiple times on our Tuesday show, and that is the schedule dynamic factor of this game. When it comes to a game as big as Clemson, obviously South Carolina's arch rivals, the Palmetto Bowl, there's no other game that South Carolina prioritizes more than that game taking place in week 13 of the regular season. And when you have a game like that that's coming up, there are certain teams that you just do not want to play the week before that matchup. And Kentucky fits that criteria here. Whether you like them or not, you got to give Kentucky some credit in terms of how physical they are in the trenches. And they also play not elite, but really solid, fundamentally sound defense year in and year out. And this time, the reason why a lot of people are high quietly on Kentucky is because they possess a quarterback in Derry Leary that is actually worth some of the praise he has gotten this offseason, unlike Will Levis, who is now in the NFL. And they also have a very underrated wide receiver core this fall. So they're going to challenge South Carolina ways that they have done so in the past, but also in new ways, offensively especially. And that is going to possibly make this game a little bit more difficult in terms of the on-field aspect when it takes place. Another reason why I think this game is the trap game for South Carolina is how this game is viewed compared to the Palmetto Bowl and how it could lead to the Gamecocks possibly overlooking Kentucky. I had talked about it or alluded to it earlier, but in terms of games being circled mentally by this team, the Clemson game is, of course, right at the top. Everybody understands the importance of it, both in that locker room, in the operations building, and obviously in the fan base. And Kentucky is just clearly not considered to be a part of that group. South Carolina does not care as much about Kentucky as they do Clemson. They care about Clemson infinitely more than they do Kentucky. No doubt about that. They could have a chance to potentially ruin Clemson's chances of making it to the college football playoff once again, like they did this past fall. They could win back-to-back games over the Tigers for the first time in a decade, which would be huge in terms of the ramifications in this state and also on the recruiting trail as a selling point in other areas of the country, national-level prospects that both South Carolina and Clemson are in on. But the magnitude of those aforementioned factors could rise significantly if South Carolina puts together a spectacular season. Maybe they come into this game and they've won eight or nine games. Or maybe they're fighting to make a bowl game when they are playing the Kentucky Wildcats. They could literally be sitting anywhere between five wins and eight wins when they play the Wildcats in Week 12. And that could be dangerous because, again, it could lead to them overlooking Kentucky for one reason or another. And that segues into my final point on why the Wildcats will offer the biggest trap game scenario for the Gamecocks this fall. And that would be that Kentucky won't overlook this game at all. At least in my opinion, I don't think they're going to. 
the Wildcats are going to want revenge for last season's loss. And the fact that Mark Stoops, quite frankly, got embarrassed on the national landscape because, obviously, everyone remembers he took that subtle dig that clearly seemed to be aimed at Shane Beamer at SEC Media Days two summers ago. Then Shane Beamer brings out the sunglasses, the Viper sunglasses, and the hat, throwing it on backwards, and starts dancing in the locker room. It went viral. The entire country saw it. And you have to imagine that that certainly just was a punch in the gut for Mark Stoops. A coach that, to that point in his career, had never been known for doing that kind of stuff. So you know that Mark Stoops, he's going to want to get this game back. He's going to want his revenge. And his players are definitely going to follow suit right behind their head coach. And unlike South Carolina and their rivalry with the Clemson Tigers, Kentucky does not play a national power when it comes to their rivalry with the Louisville Cardinals. And that is a series that they have dominated in recent history. They've won five of their last six games against their in-state rivals. So, unlike South Carolina, who is still trying to get to an even playing field with Clemson by trying to just win for the second year in a row, Kentucky, they might feel like they don't even have to really worry about their rivalry game as much. That's not to say they don't care about it, of course, But I mean, again, come on, compare that to South Carolina and Clemson. It's just not on the same level, especially when you consider the recent history of both series. So for that reason and for what happened last year, I have no doubt Kentucky, again, they are not going to look past South Carolina. They're going to come into Columbia. They're going to want payback. They're going to want revenge. And it would not surprise me if They throw out a lot of different things at South Carolina, both offensively and defensively, in order to accomplish that goal. So with all that bearing in mind, I think that there's honestly no disputing it. The Kentucky game is by far a bigger trap game than the Mississippi State game. I'll explain in more detail on Thursday. I do not have a lot of faith in the Mississippi State Bulldogs this season. I really don't. I think that it could actually end up being disastrous for them. But Kentucky's a different story. I think Kentucky is a team that cannot be slept on under any circumstance. And when you look at all these factors that I just discussed, they could end up not sneaking up on South Carolina, but giving them a really big test in lieu of what is going to be obviously one of their biggest games of the year, if not the biggest game of the year, when they take on the Clemson Tigers in Week 13. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What do you make of Shapiro's comments on Antoine Juicewell's status for the North Carolina game? Do you think I'm overanalyzing it a little bit? Or do you think that there are some mixed signals being sent here? That maybe we really don't know what the status is of Juicewell's, and we won't know until that game takes place. What do you think about his comments on the offense and how they improved in terms of situational football this past scrimmage. And lastly, do you think Kentucky's the biggest trap game for the Gamecocks this fall? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.